Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast's Wine Business Talk Series. Every Thursday, we will be connecting with our Italian Wine Podcast listeners all over the globe on all things wine and business. This podcast has been brought to you by Colangelo and Partners, the leading fine wine and spirits agency in the U.S. Visit Colangelo and Partners at www.colangelopr.com. Hello, welcome to Wine Business Talk on the Italian Wine Podcast. I am your host, Giuliana Colangelo, Vice President at Colangelo and Partners. One of the first steps to selling your wine abroad traditionally has been finding the right importer. It can be difficult and time-consuming to find the right partner to bring your wines to market. Today, there are alternatives to the traditional import model, including fine wine retailers like Benchmark Wine Group, who are selling direct imports. Today, our guest is Dave Parker, CEO of Benchmark Wine Group, leading seller of fine and collectible wines in the U.S. Benchmark is expanding into the import space, creating direct selling opportunities for imported wines in the U.S. Dave and the Benchmark team also work closely with the Wine Market Journal, one of the world's premier resources for wine market trends. So, Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Juliana. Yeah, we're really excited to dive into today's conversation. But before we get into it, describe for me your perfect vacation day in Italy. Let's, let's daydream a little bit. What would you be doing and what wine would you be drinking? Wow, that's a hard one. But I remember a day in Bulgari uh, after wandering a beautiful vineyard and looking at uh, another one up on the hills, going down to the coast, staying in a, in a lovely resort, watching the sunset and having a, a wonderful uh, seafood and Bisteca meal on the seacoast. Perfect wines in that kind of scenario for me would be to start with a Vermentino and then, of course, a Sangiovese. Wow, sounds beautiful. Hopefully that'll all be us one day soon. <laughs> so just to dive right into it, last episode, we spoke with Vivino founder Heine Zachariasen about democratizing and demystifying the wine buying process for consumers through technology and peer-to-peer marketing. Today, we'll take a step back in the distribution chain and talk about bringing wines into the U.S. market and how retailers like yourself and the team at Benchmark are starting to import wines directly. So for context and just to get started, tell us a little bit more about Benchmark Wine Group. Benchmark Wine Group was founded in 2002. We are specifically focused on rare wines, collectible wines, hard-to-get wines, boutique wines. We've grown to become the largest retailer in the country in that space with tens of thousands of collector customers. And we've had a, a distribution and import license from the beginning. And we, uh, we sell to the trade most of the Michelin star restaurants in the country, our customers of ours, as well as some of the, the finer rare wine shops. Got it. So you've had an import license since the beginning, but have you been importing wines since the company was started or is that a more recent endeavor? Well, we've been importing mainly from brokers, mainly rare wines, back vintage wines from the beginning. But starting in about 2018, we've begun importing specific brands, starting with uh, wines from the Piedmont. But now we're talking to people all over Europe. Got it. So what are you looking for in the wines that you're importing directly? We're looking for very, very well-made wines that are looking for hand entree into the United States or compatible import situations with ones that they may already have. The perfect wines already have a reputation founded either in Europe through European reviewers 
or in the U.S. or very top winemakers in a very solid story that appeals to collectors. In that latter case, we can put together a special marketing campaign for them, brand building campaign, working together with Colangelo to sort of finish the job of making the wine very attractive to the U.S. market. Got it. Great. And what is your process for going about finding direct imports? Yeah, so we've been meeting with a number of brands that have expressed interest. Colangelo has connected us with a few other contacts that we have, but we have such a reputation in the U.S. market that a lot of folks that are familiar with the high end of the market and some of the very top brands naturally come to us. Right. That that makes a lot of sense. So what effect, if any, did last fall's 25% tariffs on a lot of EU wines have on, on your pricing and your business? Yeah, it, they had a major effect, mainly for French wines other than Champagne, also to some degree Spanish wines and German wines. Fortunately, Champagnes, as I say, are exempt, as are Italian wines. So we've seen the demand for those particularly go up. Prices in those other areas have gone up, which has chilled the demand a little bit for those French and uh, German and Spanish wines. Right, right. And we'll see what the future holds, but hopefully things will, will change in, in the coming months. So talk to me a little bit you know, about the benchmark direct import model versus that of a traditional importer. What are the main differences that you would describe to a potential supplier? Yeah, well, we we very much care about the brands that we bring in. And since we're the only intermediary between the producer and the consumer or the producer and the restaurant, we can bring the pure message in both directions, taking the producer's message to the consumer, taking consumer and restaurant response back to the producer. We can also help them build their brand if they have not done so already in the United States. Selling in the U.S. to the high end of the market does generally require a very solid brand, and that generally includes good reviews, although those can be European reviewers or Americans. It requires a, a good, solid presentation of the brand and why it's unique. So we, we would provide all of that, but we also provide sort of bespoke service into regions where they may want to go. They may already have an importer that takes it to restaurants in one part of the country. We can take the product to the other parts of the country, or they may have a contract that does not include direct consumers, we can add that to an existing relationship. So we can build the pieces that people are looking for, mindful of what they may have already put in place. Right. So it could be seen as an, an add-on or an addendum to an existing you know, import strategy to reach a different market. I bet that the direct-to-consumer piece is particularly interesting for international brands and wineries, because that's not something that is as common to be found in this business. Have you seen more interest in that side of things, specifically the direct-to-consumer piece? Yes, absolutely, especially now during COVID with so many of the restaurants being closed and some of the main walk-in shops also either having restricted hours or being closed. The direct-to-consumer portion of the market is what skyrocketed here in the U.S. So we've seen that grow 30 to 50% overnight and restaurants right now are kind of on pause. Not all of them, but a number of them are. Mm -hmm. Slowly coming back, <laughs> starting to. So switching gears a little bit, you know, throughout this series, we're talking a lot about technology and how new forms of technology and existing forms can help wineries reach their consumer. And you have a very 
long background and former career in technology. So can you talk to us a little bit about how your background in technology has influenced the way you approach the wine business? Yes. uh, My first career was in the Silicon Valley and my degrees are in computer science and in engineering and data science uh, has become very important to the handling of rare wines where particular values, uh, particular scores, particular messages need to be linked to particular wines and where we're bringing through thousands, tens of thousands of brands every month. Each of them needs to be associated with the right information, both for consumers and as part of the pricing process. So that's that's a key area. We certainly use it. We have a fully integrated software package that we designed and developed that runs every aspect of our business from initial contact and purchasing all the way through sales, inventory management, shipping and tracking and customer feedback. So that's been very important to us, too. And I think it's important to any modern reseller that's going to operate at the national level as we do to be automated and to be very data focused. So data-driven technology that allows you to really manage inventory, also manage your customers and your client base as well. Yes, exactly. So in your experience at Benchmark, and, and you mentioned before that direct-to-consumer really skyrocketed in, in 2020, are consumers buying more wine online generally, you know, beyond Benchmark as well? And you know, how do you see that lasting in, into 2021 and beyond? Is it a lasting trend or do you think that's something that was just influenced by the pandemic? Well, I think that uh, those of us that had a ability to ship directly to consumers and had all of the right infrastructure at the beginning of the pandemic have seen great growth. If we had large consumer customer bases, which we do. I think some of the retailers that did not have that capability, certainly the ones that only had walk-in capability, have not participated in that growth and they have even seen a downturn. But for us, as I say, probably our our direct-to-consumer web-based ordering is up perhaps 50%. And we expect that that'll continue. We expect that people now are learning to enjoy wine at home. It's not necessarily something you have to go out to a restaurant or a wine bar to enjoy. And people are probably moving up market a bit. They're not spending that money on a restaurant experience. They may be doing takeout or cooking themselves. Explurge a little bit more on on the wine that they drink. That will continue too. Hmm. So you also work with the Wine Market Journal, which is a great resource for wine market trends. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of the most surprising consumer demand trends out there in the U.S. market as it relates to Italian wine? Is there a region or variety we're not paying attention to that we should be? Yeah. So the Wine Market Journal is the worldwide resource for auction valuation, tracks pretty much every auction house, both online and live in the world and tracks and keeps track of all valuations of all wines traded. It's absolutely key for benchmark in terms of making purchase decisions and valuation decisions. Trends that are, I think, surprising right now. It's not surprising that Italian wine is way up, uh, champagne is way up because people are gravitating toward that because of the lack of a tariff into the U.S. Uh, Other prices are up too. 
but um, not in conjunction with increased uh, purchasing. In terms of the regions of, of Italy, uh, certainly Piedmont, Tuscany, Bulgaria are still the darlings of the high-end collectors. But we're seeing a lot of demand from Sicily, let's say. The Mount Etna region is particularly exciting, I think, to people. But it's really hard. Italy is one big vineyard, and it's really hard to find a region of Italy that isn't really in demand right now. It goes so well with the different cuisines. And, you know, for casual consumers, all the way up through collectors and even investors, uh, we're seeing more regions all the time. Yeah. But certainly the Brunellos and the Barbarescos and the Barolos, the three Bs are the, and the Super Tuscans are the sort of the top of the market. But really, you're seeing opportunity for wines from the entire country, it sounds like. Absolutely, especially for drinking quickly, but a lot more very high quality wines being made that can age and, and will benefit from aging. Right, right. So another question, you know, and back to thinking about trends as it relates to the pandemic, you know, we read a lot about this term comfort wines, that consumers were turning to wines that they already knew and brands that they trusted during the pandemic and when they were shopping online. Obviously, there's less of an opportunity for the hand sell, so they're turning to the brands that they know and trust. Did you see this at Benchmark and among your clients? Not so much. Uh, We maintain a full sales and customer service team that interacts with customers and may provide, you know, that hand selling service that they were seeing at their favorite wine shop, which they may not be able to get anymore if they're not going into the wine shop. We've seen continued experimentation. As I mentioned before, we've seen a lot of people go up market buying higher-end wines. But I'm sure there is a trend that you described. People do, in the lack of being able to shop at a a well-stocked shelf or have a a wine professional talk to them, are going to stick with what they enjoy. What we are seeing is people that formerly were drinking beer are now drinking wine. And we don't care what wine that is as long as they've made that jump. And the people that maybe had a bottle of wine with a holiday or a weekend, now we're doing it every evening. That's a great trend. And some number of those are going to move up market and 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 be drinking types of top-end wine that we sell. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned more people buying wine online, people drinking more, people trading up. Are there any other trends or predictions you have for the future of wine consumption in the U.S. market? Yeah, I think it it will continue to go up. Each time we've seen an opportunity like this where more people get exposed to wine, whether it's back in the old days, wine coolers instead of beers, you know, or inexpensive wines like Charles Shaw uh, have brought a whole new class of people over from other beverages into wine, and they don't seem to ever leave. I think people, when they discover wine and discover the, the levels of quality that are available, they continue to explore for a lifetime. They don't suddenly wake up one day and say, I'm going to stop drinking wine and go back to, you know, to uh, Budweiser, you know. <laughs> right. Well, that's what we hope to, to see continue. So a really positive outlook that I think we can all appreciate. So thank you so much for being here today, Dave. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up? Well, again, I would say if a, a producer is interested in talking about importation. They can reach us through you or at the Benchmark Wine site, benchmarkwine.com. If they're interested in the Wine Market Journal, that's winemarketjournal.com. And we would love to work with the the top brands that are interested in finding out more about what we do. 
But likewise, if you're looking for any rare wine, we have over 10,000 at any given time in stock from all over the world. So always available. Great. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dave, again, for joining us. And to our listeners, Benchmark is at benchmarkwine.com. If you're interested in learning more about opportunities with direct import or for purchasing some, some great wines. So join us next week. We'll be on with Aaron Sherman, founder and CEO of 750. And thank you again for tuning in. Thank you, Juliana. See you again next week on the Italian Wine Podcast for another episode of Wine Business Talk brought to you by Colangelo and Partners. For more information on this series, you can visit Colangelo and Partners at www.colangelopr.com. And remember to rate our show wherever you listen to our podcasts.